This confounder Acharya Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai Nantakoti Vaishnava Rinda Ki Jai Namacharya Shri Haridas Thakur Ki Jai Prem Shikaho Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Dvaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaur Bhakta Rinda Ki Jai Shri Shri Radha Krishna Govopina Shaima Kunda Radha Kunda Giri Govardhan Ki Jai Vrindavan Dhamma Ki Jai Tur Dhamma Ki Jai Navadvip Mayapur Dhamma Ki Jai Jagannath Puri Dhamma Ki Jai Gangamai Jamuna Devi Ki Jai Bhakti Devi Ki Jai Tulsi Maharani Ki Jai Samaveta Bhakti Rinda Ki Jai Gaur Premanandi All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to the assembled devotees All glories to Sri Guru and Gauranga All glories to Shiva Prabhupada Namaha Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prasaya Bhutale Srimati Bhakti Vedanta Swami Niti Namane Namaste Saraswati Deve Gauravani Pacharani Namaste Sasanyavadi Paskatyade Shatarani Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Uttapadakamamam Shri Guru Vaishnavascha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sagana Ravanatam Vitam Sam Sajivam Sadvaitam Sadvajutam Vadijana Sahita Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padam Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakam Vitascha Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya January 9, 2023, in Hillsboro, North Carolina, reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 10, Chapter 41, Text 37. <speaking in Hebrew> Shirakaya who was brazenly speaking, Kupitaha, angered, Devaki Sutaha, Krishna, the son of Devaki. Rajakasya of the washerman, Kada of one hand, Agrena with the front, Shiraha the head, Kayat from his body, Apatayat made fall. PBT translation. As the washerman thus spoke brazenly, the son of Devaki became angry. And then merely with his fingertips, he separated the man's head from his body. So I'm going to read uh, Prabhupada's commentary on Krishna book and Sanatana Goswami's commentary, uh, plus Vrindavan Das Thakur's rendition of the story in Chaitanya Bhagavad. And I'm going to read each of those separately as we discuss different things. So, Evam Vikatamana Syakupito Devaki Sutaha Rajakasyakaragrena Shirakayadapatayat. When I first read this story, and actually any time that I read this story for many years, I found it disturbing. It sounded like road rage or something. You know, 
It's like somebody doesn't do what you ask and they insult you and you kill them. It just, it, it just seemed like a real overreaction on Krishna's part. And I really wasn't very happy about it. I was like, why is Krishna so angry at this, this guy that he's killing him? I mean, I, can, I understand why Ms. Singade wants to kill Harangi Kashipu. He's the Adi child abuser in the universe. You know? like, like I, I get that. You know, or while he wants to kill Kamsa, who killed all the babies and tortured all the Vaishnavas, and you know, that, that makes a lot of sense, but just somebody insulting you on the street, I couldn't quite wrap my head around it. And I thought today we would go a little deeper into this, because many times the things that Krishna does are mysterious to us. Right? In the Bible it says, God's ways are not our ways. We don't, we don't see everything that Krishna sees, isn't it? Right? I mean, we all have experience that we get really upset about something because we don't know the whole story. Has this happened? Has this ever happened? You ever got upset about something and you didn't know the whole story? Once you knew the whole story, you weren't upset about it anymore? Or you ever had someone get upset with you because they didn't know the whole story? Who's ever had that happen? I don't have time, but I could definitely tell my own stories like that where people were furious with me because they didn't actually know what happened. So our ability to understand things is extremely limited. I remember uh, one time really focusing on this when I saw a little bug walking on my windowsill. And I was thinking, this bug has no idea that there's a room. And it doesn't know that the room leads to other rooms in a house, and it doesn't know that there's a road outside leading to a highway, leading to... It, it can't see the whole picture. And this is true with what happens to other people in the world, and it's true with what happens to us. You know, we may look at what happens to others, or look at what happens to us, and say, that's not fair. That's not right. And in fact, it is this argument that is the only salient point that the atheists have. You know, when people want to say there's no God, the only logical point is that things in life seem very unfair, isn't it? And they do. I mean, we see, you know, little tiny babies who get, you know, tortured and abused and killed, and are like, what did they do? <laughs> so, understanding that there is a backstory. So today we're going to look at three aspects of the backstory of why Krishna just cuts off this guy's head. And this backstory is very relevant to ourselves, at least it's very relevant to me, because it brings out the very important point that our dealings with God have to be unclean. Rupa Goswami gives the definition of bhakti, What's his definition of bhakti? Anyabhilasita sunyam jnana karma anavritam anukulena krishnami shivanam bhakti uttama. And we could argue about what's the most important word in that verse, but I would like to suggest that it's anukulena. Anukulena, anu means again and again or to follow. So anukulena can mean in the way that the great saints and devotees have done. And it can also mean what is favorable to Krishna, because it's the same thing. What's favorable to Krishna is what those who love him do. So there are many things that look like bhakti, 
and they look spiritual, and they look religious, and they look good, but they're not. And that's what was happening with the washerwomen. So we're going to look at three different ways in which this washerman's dealings with Krishna were not anupuyena, were not devotional. The first way is his lack of recognition that Krishna was God. The second way was his lack of a service attitude. He had an enjoying, exploitive mentality towards the Lord. And the third way was his lack of respect to the Lord's devotees. So the first one is lack of seeing the Lord as God. We're going to refer to Sri Prabhupada's Krishna book commentary on this verse. The second one, his lack of a devotional mood, his exploitive mood. We're going to turn to Vrindavan Das Thakur's Chaitanya Bhagavad. And the third way, his lack of respect for the devotees. We're going to turn to the practically identical commentaries of Sanatana Goswami and Jiva Goswami. So let's look first at Srila Prabhupada's commentary in Krishna book on this verse. He says, On hearing this, Lord Krishna, the son of Devaki, became very angry at the washerman, and striking him with the upper portion of his hand, he separated the man's head from his body. That's basically a repetition of the verse. The washerman fell down dead on the ground. In this way, Lord Krishna confirmed the statement of the Brahma Samhita that every limb of his body is capable of doing everything he likes. Without a sword, but simply with his hand, he cut off the head of the washerman. This is proof that the Supreme Lord is omnipotent. If he wants to do something, he can do it without explaining his help. So, of course, we chant this verse every morning. Angani yasa sakalandriya vritimanti pasyanti pati kalayanti chirama jaganti ananda chinmaya sabitrala vikrahas. So, the washerman in seeing Krishna didn't recognize his divinity. He didn't recognize who he was. He thought, he's just some village boy asking me for the clothing of the king. He completely misinterpreted who Krishna was. Now, of course, we have great devotees, the Ragatmika devotees, who don't recognize Krishna's divinity because they're so much in love with him that they forget about his divinity under yoga maya. That, that's in a different category. It's just like we have a president of the United States and his wife and his children, when they're relaxing with him at home, they may forget that he's the president, isn't it? Right? His wife may say to him, hey, why didn't you wash the dishes tonight? She doesn't deal with him with deference. It doesn't that she, it's not that she doesn't know that he's the president, but she practically speaking doesn't know in that dealing with him. And it may appear to be disrespectful, but it's just intimacy. Just like when we're very intimate with people, we can even insult them playfully. Isn't that a fact? Yes? But in this case, we have this washerman who doesn't appreciate at all Krishna's divinity. That Krishna's saying, hey, I know you're bringing this for King Kamsa, but I'd like you to give it to me instead. And the washerman's response is, hey, you two boys, Krishna and Balaram, if you take the things that belong to the king, you're going to be put in prison. So he's thinking Kamsa is superior to Krishna. So his, his whole attitude towards Krishna is wrong. He's seeing Krishna as an ordinary person in the world who's acting improperly. And of course, we have this problem with many scholars and historians who try to judge Krishna like that. Right? And in fact, that's my problem when I looked at this pastime and I'm saying, why is Krishna cutting off his head when he's just insulting him? 
I'm, I'm, that very thought that I have is thinking of Krishna as just some ordinary guy in Tamagun who gets upset at being insulted. Right? It's, it's an offensive mentality. Subhadeva Goswami describes that the great controllers of the world are never contaminated by what they do. Right? It's just like, it gives the example that the sun evaporates liquid. Right? If there's uh, excrement and urine on the ground, the sun can evaporate the liquid and the sun doesn't become contaminated. Rather, the sun purifies the place. So when Krishna does things that appear to be unethical or improper materially, he doesn't become contaminated, pavitram. He's always pure. And the washerman couldn't understand that. Krishna was asking for something that went against the laws of the country, isn't it? First of all, you're not supposed to ask for something that belongs to anybody else. You know, I'm not supposed to say, oh, oh you're bringing Jadarani's clothes to her, can you give them to me instead? I mean, <laughs> that, that's not proper. What to speak of, if you're, you know, someone says, oh, you're bringing your Krishna Swami's clothes, oh, can I have them? You're not supposed to do that with the person who's in charge. You're not supposed to do that with anybody. It's, that's highly illegal and unethical. But the washerman didn't understand that Krishna has the right to ask for everything of anybody's. Isn't it? I always like the conversation between Krishna and Rukmini when Krishna is, is teasing Rukmini and he says, I, I don't own anything, I'm penniless. Why did you marry me? You should have married some rich person. And then when Rukmini finally argues with him, she says, you can say that you don't own anything because you are everything. So there's not a sense of possessiveness. Kamsa's clothes already belong to Krishna. <laughs> they were already part of Krishna. And the evidence of this is that Krishna can take away anything from anybody at any time. Have we experienced this? Has Krishna taken things away from us over our objections? Right? I had kind of a funny thing happen to me when I was, I was in Puerto Rico for a while. When I went to Puerto Rico... I was so poor, I literally had not a dollar to my name. I had absolutely nothing. And uh, Lakshmi of Singapore, who used to live here, he paid for my ticket to go to Puerto Rico and kind of chill out for a while. So when I was there, one of my god sisters asked me to help with her cosmetics business in the mall, which very much helped me to decide that I should never work in anybody's business ever. <laughs> that it was completely against my, my dharma. But anyway, as, as to be a friend to her and to help her out because one of her employees had just left, so I was helping her out. I got paid by commission. Oh, it was terrible. Hard. Anyway, I earned about $50 a week. So I had worked there for a couple weeks and I had there for $100. And that was the only thing, I, only money I had in the world. They had $100 in my little room in the ashram. So uh, normally it kept the door unlocked, but on Sundays when a lot of guests come, I would make sure I locked my door. Anyway, that Sunday I forgot, and I was giving the Sunday feast class, and I was giving the Sunday feast class, and I was talking very high philosophy about being very detached. <laughs> you know, I was talking about if Krishna wants to give you something with ten hands, you can't hold all of it. He wants to take something with his ten hands. You can't hold on to it. We should just be detached. Krishna gives. Krishna takes away. And of course, you know what happened. And I went to my room, and it had been broken in, and my two and my only hundred dollars uh, was stolen. Right? And I, I just cracked up. I'm like, okay, very funny, Lord. 
<laughs> so it's like that, right? He can take everything away. He can take away our, our health. He can take away our relationships. He can take away our home. He can take away our money. He can take away anything. Ultimately, he takes away our life, isn't it? It doesn't matter how much we want to hold on to this body and our identity and our this and our that. It's all gone. So if Krishna asks for something, it's already his. It's already his. The proof is that he can take it. And when Mamande came to Bali Maharaj and said, give me three cases of land, and Sukhracharya said, he'll take everything. And Bali said, that's okay. If he's Vishnu, Vishnu takes everything anyway at death. Why not give it to him willingly? So this was the first mistake the washerman made. That he didn't understand that Krishna is not just some cowherder from the village. He's the Supreme Lord. And if he asks for something, everything already belongs to him. He's the king of kings. And he should have felt it as a privilege. Wow. I mean, what a privilege, right? If Krishna walks up to you personally and you have something you really like and he says, give it to me, that would be a privilege to you. Now, I'm not going to give you my computer. I'm not going to give you my Tesla. I'm not going to give you my shoes. I'm not <laughs> so that was his first mistake. Right? And again, I mean, I know I tend to do this. And I was reading this little essay from a, a very famous Christian author the other day, and he said when he was a child, they were these prayers, you know, my dear Lord, I surrender everything to you. And he said when he was a child, he'd be saying this in church and thinking, but, but not my Hot Wheels cars, cars, please, Lord, don't take those. You know, so I, I do this too. I, I do it all the time. I say, Krishna, I surrender to you. I want pure devotional service, but, but don't hurt me, okay? Like, like, give me pure devotional service, but you've got to do it in this way. <laughs> don't do it in this way. <laughs> I don't want to give you this stuff. I, I, I don't have it. I'm not giving that to you. So that's not pure devotional service. You know, Lord, you know, I give you everything, but, but not this. Don't even see that. You know, kind of leave it alone. And of course, the washerman was afraid for himself. Where Jonathan talks about this. You know, that he was afraid that he was going to get arrested and he was going to get in trouble. All right, so what's the next problem the washerman has? The next problem the washerman has is that he's not thinking of serving the Lord at all. And it was when I read this in the Chaitanya Bhagavad that my mind became completely pacified about this pastime. So Chaitanya Mahaprabhu at this, uh, this is in Majjalila, uh, yeah, Majjalila chapter 10 of the Chaitanya Bhagavad of Vrindavanastakur. So this part of the pastime is when Lord Chaitanya is showing his divinity to everyone. And he's asking everybody, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? So imagine Radhagalokananda are fully manifest before us and they say, all right, everybody, ask for whatever you want. So there are people saying, um, please let my father's heart soften so that he'll let me come to see you. And there's people saying, please give my auntie pure devotional service. And there's people saying, please let, my serve, let me serve my guru nicely. They're asking for different benedictions. But Lord Chaitanya is calling each of them one by one. He's saying, okay, you know, Kamalini, what do you want? Right? Chaitanya, what do you want? Yes, Lord Chaitanya, what do you want? He's calling everyone. And Mukunda is there, kind of hiding in the back, and Lord Chaitanya doesn't call him. And everyone's thinking, what's going on? 
You ever been in a group like that where like everyone's called to say something and you're not? Has that ever happened to you? And you're just like, why aren't they calling on me? Why aren't they calling on anybody else? The devotee said to Lord Chaitanya, why aren't you calling on Mukunda? And he said, this Mukunda, he has a straw between his teeth, which is humility, but he also has a big stick. So he sings very sweetly and he appears to be a Vaishnava, but then he hangs out with the the impersonalists who deny my form. And because of that, he is offensive to me. And therefore, I don't want to see him. And the devotee said, would you ever see him? And Lord Chaitanya says, after millions of births, I will definitely, Nishchaya, I will definitely see him. So when Mukunda hears it, he hears this definitely, he starts becoming so happy that he starts dancing. At some point, I will definitely see the Lord. I mean, imagine how we would feel if we heard, you'll definitely attain pure devotional service and go back to God. Wow! And he's so happy. He, did, he loses all awareness of what's going on. And Lord Chaitanya sees in the back there that he's dancing. And he says, oh, he starts laughing. And he says, okay, okay, bring him now. I'll see him now. Mukund is so happy, he's not even aware that the Lord's calling him. Anyway, finally, the devotees bring him forward. And then he says to the Lord, he said, you're right, I, I don't have any devotion, and therefore my seeing you is useless. And he starts listing in verses 215 to 230, he lists many of the personalities who saw the Lord without devotion. Can you think of some people who saw the Lord without devotion? Putana. Pamsa. Shishupo. He mentions Duryodhana. I like Duryodhana as an example because he doesn't have even, Maharaj was talking the other day about a trace of devotion. He doesn't have a trace of devotion, Duryodhana. Nothing. And so when when Krishna showed him his universal form, Duryodhana wasn't moved. He also gives the example of all the princes who were present when Lord Krishna kidnapped Rukmini. They saw Krishna, but they weren't, they didn't feel any happiness at seeing Krishna because they didn't have a mood of serving Krishna. They just had a mood of killing Krishna. They just saw Krishna as an enemy. So then Lord Chaitanya very much appreciates what Mukunda says and his, he responds to this. So I'd like to read this. This is verses 250 to 255 again in Chaitanya Bhagavad Gita. Uh, chapter 10. So 250, the verses, this is what Chaitanya is speaking. If one does not accept devotional service, now please listen to this very carefully because th- this is the point. I feel aggrieved at heart and as a result he is obstructed from seeing me. So Srila Bhaktisanath's commentary quoting Krishna. I feel greatly aggrieved to see the speculative processes of those who have no knowledge about the relationship between the servant and the object of service described in the Mundaka Upanishad. That which brings dissatisfaction and unhappiness to me is not devotional service. Failing to achieve my darshan, the non-devotees cannot see my personal form. They are perpetually bereft of my darshan because they maintain impersonal conceptions. 
Due to foolishness, they follow mundane conceptions, and without understanding the need for having darshan of the seer and the object of sight, they accept the philosophy of monism as the goal of life. Therefore, they simply become perpetually bereft of the happiness of serving the form of eternity, knowledge, and bliss. Text 251. Again, Lord Chaitanya speaking. Even though the washerman saw me, when I asked him for something, he was deceived because he had no devotion. When Krishna was wandering in Mathura, he was seen by King Kamsa's washerman. When the washerman refused to give Krishna clothes and flower garlands, Krishna was compelled to kill him. This is the result of seeing the Supreme Lord without devotion. Since Mukunda had an abundance of love, he was able to see the Supreme Lord. If he had no love for the Lord, he would not achieve the happiness of seeing the Lord for millions of lifetimes. Text 252 to 254, the verse. Now this one is the one that hit me. This was the one I went... Oh, that's the backstory. That washerman underwent austerities for millions of lifetimes in order to see me. Even though out of great fortune he achieved my darshan, he did not obtain any happiness because he was devoid of devotional service. I do not show any compassion to those who are devoid of devotional service. Therefore, they are bereft of the happiness derived from my darshan. Bhakti Santa comments, One cannot have darshan of the Lord if he is less fortunate. It took the washerman millions of births to achieve the Lord's darshan, yet because he was not inclined to the service of the Lord, he could not obtain the Lord's mercy. Quote, I am never pleased with those who are bereft of devotional service. Even if karmis on the strength of thousands of pious activities achieve my darshan, they cannot achieve my mercy. Therefore, even if they achieve my darshan, they are cheated from the happiness derived from my darshan. Text 255. If one commits an offense to devotional service, his devotion is vanquished, and one who is bereft of devotion derives no benefit from my darshan. One who becomes an offender by opposing devotional service can never develop the propensity for service. Being thus cheated of the service attitude, his darshan of the Lord goes in vain. Other than those who are inclined to the service of the Lord, no one can possibly achieve happiness from the Lord's darshan. Since others consider the Supreme Lord as an object of enjoyment, they lack a service attitude and are unable to achieve eternal happiness, which is the actual fruit of the Lord's darsha. So how is it that we can chant the holy name and we don't become happy? We can see the deity, we don't become happy. We engage in devotional service, we don't become happy. That means we have an attitude of trying to exploit the Lord. Therefore, although we're seeing the Lord, we're in the presence of the Lord. We're not feeling any happiness. If somebody wants to see me to exploit me, I, I'm not going to really want a relationship with them, isn't it? I mean, we can understand why somebody would want to just see the Lord to exploit them. People want to see rich, beautiful, powerful people all the time in order to exploit them. Isn't that a fact? So it's not just a matter of seeing the Lord. 
And what was his final mistake? His final mistake was that he was offensive to the Lord's devotees. And for this, we're going to turn to the commentary of Sanatana Goswami, which is the same as Jiva Goswami's commentary. The washerman had spoken rationally in a loud voice, praising himself and opposing the Lord. I am a great craftsman, personal servant to the king. And then he quotes from the Harivamsa, I dye thousands of pieces of Kamsa's clothes, which come from various states in a variety of attractive colors. So he's praising himself. So that's what Swami goes on. Krishna became angry because the washerman was siding with Kamsa and also insulted Balaram by using the plural number and speaking about Krishna. So Krishna wasn't angry on his own account. Because the washerman was using the plural, talking to Krishna and Balaram, he's like, ah, this washerman has offended Balaram. Standing with a sword in his hand, he cut off his head from his body, making it fly a great distance. <laughs> I was hearing Prabhupada talk the other day that people are so anxious to hear and read and, and watch all these, you know, fighting stories, right? Isn't that a big mainstay of the media, battles and killing the bad guys, and he said, you know, that's all there in Krishna's lila. So Krishna just touches the washerman's head with his fingertips and it falls off his head and flies a great distance. He is here called the son of Devaki. Remember that from the verse? Devaki Sutta? Because pained by the suffering inflicted on Devaki by Kamsa, how could Krishna tolerate the audacity of Kamsa's followers? So here we see another explanation that Krishna is acting in this Nasingadev mood. You are hurting my devotees. Kamsa imprisoned my, my parents, killed six of my brothers. How can you take his side? Now, of course, there were devotees who served Kamsa as a way to serve the Lord. They stayed with Kamsa externally, ostensibly, to facilitate their service to Krishna. But this is a person who was really Kamsa's supporter. To the point that he's like, I'm not going to give you Kamsa's clothes. And Krishna's like, you support people who are offending my mother? Forget you. You're done. So this is another important point for all of us. Krishna is not going to accept our service if we're cruel to his devotees. If we're not supposed to be cruel to anybody. I was having a long discussion with one of my friends, you know, how do we know who's a devotee and who's not a devotee? And, you know. I said, really, we should be Jiva Doya, we should be kind to everybody. We shouldn't defend anybody. I mean, that doesn't mean that we don't send murderers to jail, but we shouldn't have an offensive, hateful attitude towards anybody. We should want to do good to everyone. We should have compassion for everyone. I mean, again, people object to this because then they think, well, that, you know, all the criminals are going to run around, you know, killing, raping, burning, and stealing. And, you know, that's actually madness to think like that. Uh, that's not what it means. But it means that there's never any hatred or envy of That we don't deal with people out of a view of pride. What to speak of those who are dedicated themselves to the Lord? If someone chants actually the holy name one time, we should offer them respect, at least in our mind. 
And without God, our devotion doesn't bring us happiness. So if we don't recognize the supremacy of the Lord, if we don't come to him with the mood of pleasing him and surrendering, if we don't respect the devotees, we may do the activities of bhakti. We may even do austerities for millions of lifetimes. But we, we won't get the happiness. A Krishna may even come before us and say, okay, here I am. But instead of feeling joy upon seeing him, the washerman just feels pride and anger. So this is our real test. I mean, our intentions aren't everything, but they're essential. It's not just that we can do whatever we want and say we have good intentions. Our actions have to be in line with our intentions. But our actions in and of themselves are insufficient. It's also our intentions. And, and that's the whole idea of the process of bhakti, as Krishna explains in Bhagavad Gita 12.9, is to change our intentions. It's to change our icha, to change our desire. That's the real test that we can see as to whether or not I'm advancing. Are my desires changing? Are my intentions changing? Am I gradually coming more and more to give up my selfishness and my pride and my envy, but to be free from the propensity to criticize others? And do I really want just to make Krishna happy for the sake of making Krishna happy? So questions, comments, additions, subtractions, corrections, chastisements. Yes? And the Bible says it's not by good works that one attains me. So mm. you do all these good things, but you've got to have the right attitude. Yes, yes. The Bible says not just by good works. You have to do good works. Yeah. It's not like you can say, um, years ago, before the internet, we used to have this print magazine, I think it was called Spirit or something, that it was an internal publication, and the act had personal ads, you know, people looking for a spouse. And I remember one of them, this guy who was looking for a wife, and he said, my favorite service is to sleep and dream of Krishna. And I'm like, my God. So it's not like that. It's not that, you know, well, I'm not going to chant my rounds, and I'm not going to do any practical service, but I'm just going to have good intentions. But nor should it be that I, you know, I come to see the deity, and I pick up my job of beads, and, you know, I do all this stuff, but my intention is exploited. That doesn't, it just doesn't work. And, and even if Krishna decides to come before you, it doesn't work. You don't feel happiness. You don't advance. Both, both have to be there. And that's the word, of course, shilanam, in the definition of bhakti. Shilanam means the actions of the body and the, act, the gross body and the subtle body. Anybody else? Yes? One could say that Typically, we completely underestimate the heinous severity of the crime which condemned us to the material world. Oh, yes. Patikopa oh, um, was saying that we typically underestimate the heinous severity of the crime that condemned us to the material world. Yes. So we take, we take for granted the, the comforts which Krishna provides out of his causeless mercy and affection for us as parts and parcels. But the fact is that we all ought to have our heads chopped off 
Yes, so Dr. Gokoku was saying that we take for granted all the comforts the Lord gives out of his causeless mercy, but we should all have to have our heads cut off. And that mentality is the basis of humility, and it's also the basis of compassion. Yes, thank you so much. Shiva Prabhupada, Ki Jai. Krishna is cutting off the washerman's head and sending it a great distance. Ki Jai.